But I'm going to have Brother Joshua read the passage this morning for us. And that will be, he'll be reading in John chapter 12, verses 20 through 37. And so Joshua, if you could read for us. And there were certain Greeks among them that came up to worship at the feast. They came therefore to Philip, which was of Bethsaida of Galilee, and desired him, saying, Sir, we would see Jesus. Philip cometh and telleth Andrew, and again Andrew and Philip tell Jesus. And Jesus answered them, saying, The hour is come that the Son of Man should be glorified. Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abideth alone, but if it die, it bringeth forth much fruit. He that loveth his life shall lose it, and he that hated his life in this world shall keep it unto life eternal. If any man serve me, let him follow me. And where I am, there shall also my servant be. If any man serve me, him will my father honor. Now is my soul troubled, and what shall I say? <clears throat> father, save me from this hour. But for this cause came I unto this hour. Father, glorify thy name. Then came there a voice from heaven, saying, I have both glorified it, and will glorify it again. The people, therefore, that stood by, heard it, said that it thundered. Others said, and an angel spake to him. Jesus answered and said, said, This voice came not because of me, but for your sakes. Now is the judgment of this world. Now shall the prince of this world be cast out. And I, if I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all men unto me. He says, Siphon, what death he should die. The people answered him, We have heard out of the Lord that Christ abided forever. And how sayest thou, the Son of Man must be lifted up? Who is, his, who is this Son of Man? Then Jesus said unto them, Yet a little while is the light with you. Walk while ye have the light, lest darkness come upon you. For he that walketh in the darkness knoweth not whether he goeth. While ye have light, believe in the light, that ye may be the children of light. These things spake Jesus and departed, and he did hide himself from them. But though he had done so many miracles before them, yet they believed not on him. Thank you, Brother Joshua, for the reading of the word. Let's look to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you today for the privilege to be in your house again. We thank you for everyone who's here. We miss those, Lord, who are not here because of sickness. And we ask that you might bless them today and meet their needs and bring them back to health. Thank you, Lord, for the greatest attraction in all the world. And I just pray that you'd help us today as we talk about that. And may Jesus be lifted up. And may someone who doesn't know Christ as their Savior turn, to fa- turn in faith to him today. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Today I want to talk to you about God's greatest attraction. The world does not recognize this as a great attraction, but the world does recognize great attractions. I think it's interesting that the world lists several things as great attractions. I looked it up and found some things, first of all, of natural wonders of the world. There was a whole list of those. I think there was 50-some that was listed and I picked out just some of those, some of the uh, top 25 of the, of the world's wonders of the world, natural wonders of the world. 
Here are some of them. The renal volcano in Costa Rica, the Bay of, of Fundy in California, the Great Belize Blue Hole in Belize, uh, Glencoe, a scenic valley in Scotland. Some of these you might not know about. I didn't either. Uh, the Great Barrier Reef in Australia, Mount Everest in Nepal, and Cara uh, Cristalis, which means River of Five Colors in Colombia, the Sahara Desert in North Africa, and Victoria Falls in Zambia. That's just some of the natural wonders of the world. And here are, here are a list of some of the world's best tourist attractions. These, the world has these lists. You know, these are popular attractions to them. The Eiffel Tower, uh, Statue of Liberty, the Colosseum in Rome, uh, the, the Acropolis in Athens, the Taj Mahal in India, the Pyramids of Giza in Egypt, the Great Wall of China, uh, Petra or Petra in Jordan. My wife and I have had the privilege of going there at some site. The Grand Canyon, we've also seen that. That's one of, the, one of those listed. And then Niagara Falls is one of the most visited places. That's in Canada and the U.S. And then the Sydney Opera House in Australia. We learned about that during Bible school this past summer. And then there's the great sport attractions, sports attractions. And I'm going to list these in the, in the order of the most popular on down, and I'll give you the first ten of the, most, of the most popular sports attractions. The World Cup, that's going on now. Of course, that's soccer. Second is the Olympic Games. Third is the 24-hour of Le Mans race in France. It's a car race uh, of the world's oldest uh, it's the world's oldest car endurance racing event. And say, so I guess they actually race 24 hours. That's third in the most, most popular of the sports. Uh, the fourth is the Super Bowl, and all of us know about that. Of course, that's football. And then the Grand National in England. That's horse racing with 30 fences that they have to, cross, uh, that they have to jump over in the race. And then the sixth is the Masters Tournament, which is held in the United States, and that, of course, is golf. And then there's the polo at Palermo. Of course, that's polo, and that's in Argentina. And then the eighth one is the Wimbledon in England, and that's tennis. And then the ninth, I was surprised about this, but the ninth is the Kentucky Derby. And, uh, of course, that's held in Kentucky. And then the tenth, and some of you will be glad to know this, the tenth of the most famous world attractions of sport events is the NBA Finals, and that's held in the United States, of course, and it's basketball. And, these, and then, then there are other attractions. There's theatrical attractions, musical attractions, animal attractions, festive attractions, political attractions, and you could go on and on. And God has his attractions, which take place every day somewhere across this world, and it's little recognized, and people don't really rank it at all. And I've listed these in with the numbers, the letters S. That is God's scenery, God's seasons, God's skies, God's seas, God's storms, and God's space. Those are God's attractions. They're appearing all the time, and they're so wonderful, and yet they receive, don't receive very much attention. But all of, the, of all of these attractions, the most significant of all the attractions in all the world throughout all the ages... The greatest attraction of all is the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
the cross of Calvary. The cross is the focal point of all human history. All time before the cross points forward to the cross, and all time after the cross points back to the cross. We could rightly say that all human beings have attended God's greatest attraction by fault. By fault. We were all there by fault. In other words, it was all our fault that Jesus hung on the cross of Calvary. It was our fault that he was nailed to the cross. It was all our fault that he, all the sin of the world was laid on Jesus on the cross of Calvary. And many have also been there, there not only by fault, but by faith. I've been there by fault and by faith. I'm sure many of you have as well. By faith, we have looked back to the cross and believed on Jesus and what he did for us. I remember when I finally truly came to know the Lord as my Savior, that was a very significant thing. Because when I was a child, I made a profession of faith, but I really didn't understand what I was doing. And my faith went to that side of the platform at Kings Mills Baptist Church when I knelt and prayed and said what the preacher told me to pray. And that's what I was trusting. And I argued with the Lord many times. But Lord, I did this. I did this. And then finally the Lord helped me to see, but your faith's not supposed to go back to that place. Your faith is to go to the cross of Calvary. And when I trusted Jesus as my Savior, my faith went back to the cross of Calvary. And it was like I could see him dying for me, and I trusted what he did for me. And so we, have, we who know the Lord as our Savior have been there by fault, and we've been there by faith. And, uh, but what about you? All of you have been there by fault. It was your sin that, la- that nailed Jesus to the cross. But how many of you have been there by faith, true faith, in the Lord Jesus Christ. The passage we read today tells about Jesus coming to Jerusalem. And the verses before what Joshua read talks about him coming, first of all, to Bethany. He came to, to the home of Lazarus. And Lazarus, you remember, had been raised from the dead by Jesus. And Martha was there, and Lazarus was there, and Mary was there. This is the account where Mary took the the ointment and poured it on his feet and then, then wiped his feet with her hair of her, of her head. That was Mary there in Lazarus and, and in their home. And uh, because of that, or after that, they went on to Jerusalem. And that's when the, uh, the triumphal entry took place. And you remember those who believed on Jesus uh, they, and uh, admired him, they began to lay down the, branch, the palm branches so he could ride on the colt down into Jerusalem. And it says in that passage that there were people there who knew about Lazarus. They knew that Lazarus had been raised from the dead. And they thought that surely this is the Messiah. And they truly hoped, I imagine many of them hoped, as they prepared the way and laid those branches down, he rode into Jerusalem, that the Messiah was going to do what they thought he would do, and that is defeat Rome and set them free and be their king. That's what they had hoped. And uh, many, the Bible says, knew about Lazarus, and that helped them to, to understand that this could be the Messiah. And they knew that, and so they participated in this welcoming committee for the Lord Jesus Christ. They were impressed by what they had seen, and they wanted to follow the Lord Jesus. But what they did not know was that while they were preparing for the Passover, and the Bible tells us this, this was right before the Passover, while they were preparing for the Passover... And they didn't know that soon they would, while they were actually sacrificing their Passover lamb, the real Passover lamb, the lamb of God, the Lord Jesus Christ, would be sacrificed on the cross of Calvary and die for them. 
They did not know that, but that was going to take place. And that's what Jesus referred to when he said in verse, verse 32, And I, if I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all men unto me. If I be lifted up from the earth, and I will draw all men to me. That's an attraction. He'll draw all men to him. The greatest attraction of all the world is the attraction of the cross of Jesus Christ. It was, it was planned and accomplished by God for all of mankind. Everybody was involved in what took place that day. All the sin of all the world, and all the people who'd lived before, all the people who'd lived afterwards, all their sin was laid on Jesus. So they were involved in that, that, that happening there. And it involved all of them. And the Lord says, if I be lifted up on the cross of Calvary, speaking of his crucifixion, I will draw all men to me. And so everybody has been affected by the cross of Calvary. And once they hear the gospel, that draw is there to bring them to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. So it's the greatest attraction of all time. So this morning, I want us to talk about some of the things about that attraction. I mean, attraction is something that takes place and people go to see it. And let's talk about that attraction. First of all, the person of the attraction. He says in verse 32, and I, and I. Who is the I? Well, that's the Lord Jesus Christ. Who is Jesus Christ? The Bible says he's the creator God. So you think about the one hanging on the cross is not the weak Jesus. He's not somebody who was a martyr. He was not somebody who had to give his life up because people were against him. That's not it. The one hanging there is the creator God. He made the, he made the iron ore that, that, that made up those nails that went in his hands and his feet. He made the crown of thorns that they thrust down on his, on, his, on his head. He was the one who made the leather that was probably in that cat of nine tails. And uh, he was the one that made the animal that came from. He was the one who made the tree that he, that he hung on. He was the one that made the people gathered around him who were crucifying him. They were, they were made by him. They were formed in the womb. And the, before that, he was the one who made the first Adam and the first Eve. He, he was the one that made that, those first human beings. And so he's the creator God. The creator God is hanging there on the cross of Calvary. So he, who is this person of the, of the attraction? It's the Lord Jesus Christ, the creator. God. He's also the Son of God. That means there's God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And the second person of the Trinity is the one who's hanging on the cross of Calvary. God himself is hanging there. God who took upon himself human flesh is hanging on the cross. And he is the attraction. He's the person of the attraction. He's the one. He's also the Savior. Of course, he's referred to by many names in the Bible. The Bible refers to him by names such as this, the lily of the valley. The wonder, he's wonderful. He's counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. He's the bread of God who came down from heaven. He's the, he's the, uh, the door. Remember, he says, I am the door. He's the foundation. He's the great high priest. He's the judge. He's the king of kings. He's the lamb of God. He's the Lord of lords. He's the master. He's the physician. He's the redeemer. He's the rock. He's the stone. He's the shepherd. He's the teacher. He's the unspeakable gift. He's the word of God. He's the way. He's the wisdom of God. All of these things. But there's no dearer name than this name. And that is, he is Jesus. 
Remember what the angels said to Joseph. He said uh, to Joseph, thou shalt, thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. The name Jesus means Savior. And that's the name that we love. That's the name that we think about so much. Who is the one that hung on the cross? It's Jesus. Who's the person of the attraction? It's the Lord Jesus Christ. We sing about that. There's some songs in our songbook we, we use that sing about Jesus. It says, My Jesus, I love thee, I know thou art mine. Jesus is the sweetest name I know. This is the name, uh, this, there is a name I love to hear, I love to sing its worth. It sounds like music in mine ears, the sweetest name on earth. And that's, that name is Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus. And then the song, the name of Jesus is so sweet. I love its music to repeat. It makes the, my joys full and complete, the precious name of Jesus. And then Jesus is all the world to me, my life, my joy, my all. He is my strength from day to day. Without him, I would fall. And then there's this great old song says, Jesus is the, Jesus, the very thought of thee, with sweetness fills my breast, but sweeter far thy face to see, and in my, thy presence rest. Yes, the person of the attraction is Jesus. So the greatest attraction in all the world, there was an individual that it's all about, and that's Jesus. But then there's the performance of the attraction. If you have an attraction takes place, there's people in that attraction that are doing something that makes it noteworthy. Well, the greatest attraction ever took place was on the cross of Calvary. Jesus was the one, and the performance of that attraction was this. He said this in verse 32, If I be lifted up from the earth, if I be lifted up from the earth, the performance is the crucifixion of Jesus Christ, the cross. He's speaking of his crucifixion. He's speaking of all those things that would take place, that would take uh, part, in, uh, that he would take part in on the cross of Calvary. He's thinking of all those things that would happen to his body when he died on the cross. He thought of those nails in his hands and his feet. And he thought of those that whipped back with the cat of nine tails, the crown of thorns on his head. He thought of all those things. He thought of the plucked out beard. All those things that happened to Jesus. Jesus thought of that and he said, if I be lifted up. He knew what that meant, the crucifixion. And the performance of the attraction was the crucifixion of the Lord Jesus. One of the most sickening things you could think about. Worst thing you could think about as as far as pain and disgrace would be the cross of Calvary. And that is the performance of the attraction, the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. We must tell people about that because we who know Jesus Christ as our Savior know about that attraction and we're to tell people about the cross. We sing about the cross. The old rugged cross on a hill far away stood an old rugged cross, the emblem of of suffering and shame. But I love that old cross where the dearest and best for a world of lost sinners was slain. We sing about the cross. At the cross... Alas, and did my Savior bleed, and did my Sovereign die? Would he devote that sacred head for such a worm as I? Would he do that for me? Yes, he did that for me. That's the performance of the greatest attraction, the Lord Jesus Christ dying for our sins. The Bible talks about Calvary, which is where Christ died. Years I spent in vanity and pride, caring not my Lord was crucified, 
Knowing not it was for me, he died at Calvary. Mercy there was great and grace was free. Pardon there was multiplied to me. There my burdened soul found liberty at Calvary. At Calvary, the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that great old song, burdens are lifted at Calvary. Days are filled with sorrow and care. Uh, hearts are, tru- are, are lonely and drear. Burdens are lifted at Calvary. Jesus is very near. And then the song, When I Survey the Wondrous Cross. That's a great old song. It says, When I survey the wondrous cross on which the Prince of Glory died, my richest gain I count but loss and pour contempt on all my pride. Jesus Christ, the greatest attraction in all the world. The purpose of it or the, uh, the, what happened there on the cross the performance of it was dying for our sins. What an awful thing, and yet what a great thing. Jesus died for us. And then there's the people to be attracted. You know, let's say we have a Super Bowl game. Some people would dream about having a Super Bowl ticket and being going to a Super Bowl game. Uh, don't give me one. I know you wouldn't. It costs too much. I'm not interested at all. <laughs> I'd, I'd rather watch it on TV. I just not that doesn't doesn't do anything for me to be, say I went to a game. Somebody told me the other day says when you're going to go to a Bengals game. I said probably never. I don't really desire to, and it's on Sunday, so I think it might be a good idea that I not go. <laughs> but uh, it's nothing wrong with going. You might like that. But the point is this: not everybody wants to go to a football game. Not everybody wants to go to a baseball game. Not everybody wants to go to a soccer match. Not everybody wants to go to see a race. Not everybody's interested in that. But to the people who are attracted to the cross is everybody. I mean, if they're not, they should be. They need to be. The people attracted to this greatest of, of attractions are people like you and me all over the world. Everybody. The Bible says, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. All men. Not just lovers of this or lovers of that. No, all men drawn to this greatest attraction of the Lord Jesus Christ. Everyone needs salvation. Everyone needs the cross. Everyone was represented at the cross. Jesus died for all sins of everybody. 1 John chapter 3, verse 2. He is the propitiation, or 2, verse 2. He is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. Jesus is the, is the one who's attracting all these people, and he attracts everybody. He died for everyone. There's not anybody in some far-off part of the world that's not affected by the cross of Calvary. That's why we send missionaries all over the world, because no matter where they go, People there need Jesus, and they're the people who are attracted. And we need to understand that. What the cross offers is what all of us need. Forgiveness, everybody needs that. Peace, that's what everybody needs. The world would love to have peace. And they, uh, the promise of a home in heaven, and it's all assured by the cross of Calvary and what Jesus did for us there. So the people to be attracted is everyone in all the world. And then the purpose of the attraction. The purpose of the attraction is given to us in the context of, these, of this verse. First of all, it, the purpose is to fulfill God's plan. Look at verse 27. 
verse 27. Now is my soul troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour, but for this cause came I unto this hour. For this cause came I unto this hour. The purpose of the cross is to fulfill God's plan. This was God's plan for Jesus. God has a plan for all of us. But the plan for Jesus was that he would die. He was born to die. He was born to suffer. He was born to bear our sins. He was born to be the one to go to the cross of Calvary to die in our place. And the purpose of this greatest attraction was to fulfill God's plan. We have attractions going on all across the world today. And their purpose is whatever the person that's backing up that attraction has determined. It might be just to make a lot of money. It might be to expose people to a certain sport and get them excited. And, you know, but usually money drives it. But the purpose of the attraction to the Lord Jesus Christ is hanging on the cross to fulfill the plan of God. You see, before the foundation of the world, God knew what he was going to do. God knew the greatest attraction that would ever take place on the earth is what took place at the cross of Calvary. And it was planned by God. He had a purpose, and it was to fulfill his plan. Another purpose is to, to glorify God. You see, let's back up a minute about that plan. Uh, the Lord says there was an hour. It says in, verse, in John chapter 7, verse, verse 30, His hour had not yet come. John 8, verse 20, His hour was not yet come. And then in this passage in John 12, we find out he's talking about the hour. And you remember in Gethsemane, he said the hour had come. What hour? That hour, that plan, that time that had been planned by the Lord throughout all eternity, had been planned for this particular time for Jesus to suffer on the cross of Calvary. And so God fulfilled God's plan. It also was to glorify God. The three times in, in the Bible we find that God spoke to Jesus, God the Father spoke to Jesus from heaven. The first time was at his baptism. He said this, this is my beloved son whom I'm well pleased. The second time was at his transfiguration. You remember when they gathered around Peter, James, and John, and, and Peter said, Lord, let's build three tabernacles, one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. And the Bible says he didn't know what he's talking about. And God just overshadowed everything, and Moses and Elijah disappeared, and Jesus was left alone, and he said, this is my beloved son, hear him. This is my beloved son, you hear him. Not anybody else, you hear him. And then this third time that God spoke from heaven is found in this account. It says in verse 28, uh, Father, glorify thy name. Then came there a voice from heaven saying, I have both glorified it and will glorify it again. This third time the voice speaks from heaven and Jesus said, Father, glorify thy name. And he said, I have glorified it and I will glorify it again. I believe he means this. I have glorified it, my name, through you, the Lord Jesus Christ, because of all that you've done on this earth up to this point. And I will glorify it because... After you die on the cross, I will raise you from the grave. Yes, I will glorify my name and in the process glorify your name as well. Each time the Father was glorified by by the Lord Jesus Christ. 
Jesus said, Father, glorify thy name, and God did, and he will, and will out through all eternity. Even when that every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, that will bring glory to God and glory to the Father. And then there's another purpose for this great attraction, and that is to defeat Satan. Look at what verse 31 says. It says, Now is the judgment of this world come. Now shall the prince of this world be cast out. And when Jesus died on the cross of Calvary, a lot was taking place. And one of the things that was taking place was the defeat of Jesus. It's the fulfillment of Genesis 3.15, where, where the Lord said the, the seed of the woman would, uh, would bruise the head of the serpent. And, and the seed of the serpent would just bruise the heel of, of, of the seed of the woman. And so just the little hurt, which was the cross but a deadly blow to the devil. And so he's defeat, defeat Satan. That was God's purpose and for the greatest attraction. And then there's another purpose, and that is draw all men to me. Look at verse 32, 32. If I be lifted up from the earth, I will draw all men unto me. I'll draw all men unto me. The purpose of the cross is that you and me and everybody else be drawn to this greatest attraction and that we would see what was done there, and we would believe what Jesus did on the cross of Calvary, and then later, of course, that he rose from the grave. But on the cross, he dealt with all of our sin. Why, why, why am I going to go to heaven? There's only one reason, and that is because Jesus paid for all my sins. Some people say, well, you know, I'm going to go to heaven because I've been a pretty good person, or I've done more good than I've done bad, but that will never work because you are a sinner. And your sin will send you to hell. But the thing that, that matters is that Jesus on the cross dealt with all your sins. He died for you, as I've often said, before you were ever born. So if he died for your sins before you were ever born, that means he died for all of them. From the time you were born till the time you died. There are sins I have not yet committed, but will. And Jesus died for those as well. So I'm going to go to heaven because all of my sin has been paid for. And the Lord said I could have the result of that if I would just believe and trust what Jesus did for me on the cross of Calvary, that he died for my sins and then that he rose from the grave. And I put my faith and trust in that, and therefore I'm going to be able to go to heaven. The Bible says the purpose of this greatest attraction is to draw men unto himself. You notice it says draw them, not drive them. God will never force you to be saved. God will never force you to trust him as your Savior. It's something you must do, and you must believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And if God's tugging at your heart and saying to you, you know, you've never really done that. You've never personally, in a true faith, put your faith in what Jesus did for you on the cross of Calvary. You've never trusted him. If God's dealing with you that way and drawing your heart, then the Lord is doing that. He's drawing you. He's not driving you. He's not making you, but he's drawing you. And so the Lord draws people. How does he draw people? Well, he draws people by sacrifice, for one thing. The Bible says God so loved the world. It should impress you that God loved you enough to send Jesus to die for you. It should impress you and me that God loved you, that Jesus loved you enough to go to the cross and die for your sins. And so that should draw you, just his love. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, for the love of Christ constraineth us. 
It constrains us. It draws us. It convinces us of his love for us. And then he draws us with the scripture. The Bible says in Romans chapter 1, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of God, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth. The gospel of Christ, it's the power of God unto salvation. You see, it's the word of God given to somebody that's going to reach them. It's not your argument, it's not my argument, it's not my sincerity, it's the word of God. And so we present to them the gospel, and the gospel is to have the effect upon the heart. And so the Lord uses the scripture to draw people. So he uses, he uses um, the sacrifice of cross, the scripture. He uses the spirit. The Bible says that uh, the spirit leads us and guides us and directs us. He's the one that works in our heart. The spirit and the bride, the Bible says in Revelation, the spirit and the bride say come. So the spirit of God woos in your heart, works in your heart, convinces you, convicts you for you to come to know the Lord as your Savior. Uh, You know, I don't believe people are saved just because they hear it's a good deal and they say, hey, I like that. I don't want to go to hell. I want to go to heaven. Sure, I'll believe Jesus died for me. I'll go, I'm going to heaven because I do. I don't believe that happens that way. I believe the Spirit of God works in your heart and brings you under conviction. I can remember that convicting. I'm sure you do too if you were saved, if you're saved. You can remember the convicting power of the Lord that he drew you into himself. And so the Spirit of God was working in you and convicting you of your need of the Savior. And so you came to know the Lord as your personal Savior. So the Spirit draws us. And then there's one other thing that draws, and that is the saints. He draws with his saints. The Bible says again in Revelation 22, the Spirit and the bride say come. Who's the bride? The bride's we who know the Lord as our Savior. And we say to people, come, come to the Lord. So this greatest attraction that ever took place, you who know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, you have been there. You've been there by fault, and you've been there by faith. You know what took place. You know in in your heart by faith that you have looked upon the Lord by faith and you've seen what he did for you, that he died for your sin on the cross of Calvary. You know what happened there on the cross, how he hung there for three hours and he cried, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? You know what happened there, that Jesus was paying for your sin and he was shedding his blood for you. You know that. You've been there by fault. You've been there by faith. So you've attended that attraction. And so what are you to do as those who've been there? We're to tell other people about it. You know, if there's a great attraction that happens somewhere around here and, and you go and it's going to be lasting a week and you go the first part of the week and you say, wow, that was great. What are you going to do? You're going to tell people about it. You're going to tell somebody, look, if you can, you should go. And I know it costs a little bit, but it's worth it. You should go and that you're, you're really going to enjoy it. Shouldn't we think that way about the greatest attraction? And that is the Lord Jesus Christ died for your sin. He paid for your your sin. He paid it on the cross of Calvary. He rose again the third day. He's alive. He wants to save you. And we tell people about that greatest attraction. You know, that's what happened in this passage. You remember some Greeks came in verse 20 and 21. They said this, Sirs, we would see Jesus. (laughs) We would see Jesus. I wonder if there are people out there that you work with or people you move around with and you interact with that would like for you to tell them about Jesus, would like for you to tell them about the cross, would like for you to tell them what Jesus did for them. 
It's the greatest attraction in all the world. And by faith, you've been there and you know what Jesus did. You know it's about them and he will save them if they'll only believe. And, they, and if they say to you, sir, we would see Jesus. They're probably not going to say that audibly. But if you live the right life, you should. They're probably going to want to know why. And you should tell them about Jesus and what he did for them on the cross of Calvary. So what are we to do as Christians? Well, the Lord says, if I be lifted up, I'll draw all men to me. Lifted up, that meant hanging on the cross. But for us, it means we should lift him up. We should lift up Jesus. We should lift him up to other people. We should tell them, tell them about the Lord Jesus. So parents, lift Jesus up to your children. Uh, teachers to your students, businessmen to your, to your clients, your boss, the boss to his workers, and the workers to the boss. And we're to lift up Jesus. The doctors to lift up Jesus to his patients, and nurses to their patients. I've always enjoyed when I hear somebody who's been to the hospital and they had surgery, and not long ago I had somebody say, you know, my doctor even prayed for me. Wow, that was great. He was a Christian, he prayed for me. <laughs> And uh, that doctor was lifting up Jesus to his patient. We should lift up Jesus to the doctor and tell them about the Lord Jesus. Maybe it's to give them a track or tell them how you know Jesus or invite them to church and, and just tell them about the Lord. And so people should lift up Jesus. If you're a coach, you should lift up Jesus to your, to your players. And uh, if you're a teacher, you should lift up uh, Jesus to those that you teach. Uh, if you're a church officer, you should lift up Jesus to people because you represent our church. And you should lift up Jesus to people in the church and encourage them in the Lord. The pastors lift up Jesus to his people, and the people are to lift up Jesus to their pastor. Our job is to lift up Jesus. He says, if I be lifted up, I'll draw all men to me. So we go out in the world, and we know about Jesus. We know about this greatest attraction and what we're to do is to tell people about it. Tell people about what Jesus did. Lift him up. And if we lift him up, then, he'll, then they'll be drawn to the Lord Jesus. If people look at you, is there anything they see in you that will make them want to know your Savior? All of us need to know that. Need to ask that question. Is there anything about us and the way we live and the way we act and the way we treat people that will make other people want to know our Savior. We're to lift him up. You see, the cross is to be attractive to us before it's going to be attractive to other people. The Bible says, or not the Bible, but the old song says, the old rugged cross, so despised by the world, has a wondrous attraction for me. The cross should have a wondrous attraction for us. And if it does, we can tell people about the greatest attraction and that is the cross of the Lord Jesus. Let's pray. Father, thank you today for helping us to convey, Lord, that the greatest thing that ever took place in this world is when Jesus died for our sins. We're getting ready to go in the Christmas season, and the Christmas season talks about the birth of Jesus, but that wasn't the greatest thing. The birth of Jesus wouldn't do us any good unless he did what he came to do, and that is to die for our sins. So we thank you so much that you died for us. Help us to be people who tell other people 
about our Savior. And may people see in us, Lord, something that would make them want to know the Lord Jesus Christ, the person of the greatest attraction of all time. We pray in Jesus' name.